Ross, how you doing, man? Welcome back, man. Doing great. Another week. Let's have some fun. Coffee on a Sunday. This is not a Saturday. I don't know if anybody knows this, but I don't think they care. And bagels. And bagels. We had bagels this morning. Every week we go somewhere different, get something new, and um, talk politics. This is the De- Demer and DeBello podcast, where we talk national politics and local Cleveland, Ohio, and Ohio politics. And today we're going to start off with Biden's re-election our, our, our man, Joey Joe, Joey B, J.R.B., he is running for a re-election. Ross, I know you have some, some thoughts about that. Well, I mean, first off, I just wouldn't run if I was him. I mean, he, he's a, you know, first of all, he's been in power. He's had say over policy for, what, 40 to 50 years. Um, and at this point, he's, I'm not attempting to be, ageist of course most everybody will start this sentence with that disclaimer but i mean he's a very 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 poor speaker at this point he's having a lot of trouble reading the teleprompter he's having a lot of trouble reading the teleprompter i mean is, okay so i hate the word ageist again we i think we talked about that because it's like you're always ageist you're ageist to young people you're ageist to old people you're ageist to uh different things people in different jobs all the damn time like if you're a firefighter, you don't, you can't be a 60, 70 year old old man trying to save people out of a burning house. It's right. not ageist. It's like, can you do the job or can you not do the job? Right. Or some, or should you be doing the job? For example, should you be 12 years old working in a factory? Probably not. And that's not being ageist. That's just saying, hey, maybe 12 year olds should be working in factories. Right. I'm not against Bernie or Trump running. I am against Biden and Feinstein running. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, did, I did think uh, they doubled uh, Biden's dose of Adderall yesterday at the correspondence dinner because he was... Yeah, did you watch it? No, I'm, now I'm mad at myself. I didn't actually watch it. I, I watched it this mo- I watched some of it this morning. I didn't get to uh, Roy Wood Jr.'s... Um, uh, uh, monologue or his comedy, whatever. I, just, I was watching Biden. But Biden was sharp. Okay. He had some zingers, too. He didn't stutter. Well, he didn't really trip all of himself. I mean, but he had some zingers. That's good. I mean, that that's great. That That's, you know, the correspondence, it's always a comedy night. You know, it's always a ton of fun. It's hilarious. They roast people. I love it. Um, Who do you think was the best uh, best uh, correspondence dinner? I mean, I, I always think Obama is the best deliverer of everything. Obama is a yeah, pretty good deliverer. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, the I don't know if it's the day before the correspondence dinner, but he was on a stump and... It was very bad. It was like a 15-second clip, and he ended the clip with, we must re-elect Donald Trump. I saw that and, one. And yeah. it, it's just, um, I don't know. It doesn't look good. He's Again, he's been in, in power forever in this country. He's had quite the say over how he thinks the things should be, and he's been the president of the United States for four years. He's been the vice president for eight years. Um, I don't think he should run. I do not think. And I think a lot of people don't want him to run. Democrats. I mean, yeah, there's 70% of America doesn't want Biden to run again. Um, uh, one of the interesting conversations that's being had is, you know, Bernie came out and endorsed him immediately. I think we, we actually spoke about this last week, but we could just go over it again. Bernie came out to endorse him immediately, and people are like, Bernie, Bernie, you got screwed twice. Why aren't you running again? People want you, Bernie. Um, and I, I know that, again, this is the ageism thing. Like, some people are saying that Bernie's too old, too. But some people think that there's not, like, Bernie has work to do still. There's That was unfinished business because he got screwed twice. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm never going to tell, as we are both ex-candidates, uh, nobody knows better than us. It's really hard to 
tell somebody else that they should run for this or that. I What I don't like about the Bernie thing is uh, we're seeing these verbal gaffes from Biden. You know, we know his policies. Um, why would you eat, Why would you do this now? Why do we have to start the House of Cards now where Bernie and everybody is going to endorse and all this? Can't we just... Can't we just let the people decide in a primary and the general, instead of continuing this this sphere of influence, kind of how we got here in the first place with, with Biden and Trump and Clinton before that, you know, we really need de- debates and we really need letting the people do our democracy. You know, what are you, where are you on this? Where are you on term limits? Where What are you on money and politics? Where are you on, you know, infrastructure, military, the military industrial complex? and get your positions and let the people decide. So I think we have to get more to kind of an honest democracy as opposed to kind of the influence world. But I don't know, that's 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 me being an idealist. So that actually goes really good into our next, or, or one of the topics that we wanna talk about today is that the Democratic Party is not allowing debates. They said no debates, there is no serious contenders. I have two ways of thinking about this. And I, I really don't want to, I, ho- I hope we didn't talk about this last week, but we're going to have to talk about it again because I think this is a very it's important. important, this is an important conversation. I have two ways to think about this. No, the first way to think about this is the Democrats can't be the, the the party of democracy. We can't say, oh, January 6th, anti-democracy, they don't, like these parties, these people, these state houses are, are anti-democratic across the country. And then go ha- go ahead and say, but we're not going to allow democratic debates, even though that the candidates that are running against Biden are meeting the criteria of o- pulling over two percent. And we have um, Robert Kennedy Jr. pulling at around nineteen. We have Marianne Williamson pulling at around nine percent. Um, that meets the criteria. You can s- <clears throat> a lot of people are calling them not serious candidates. I don't like that word because it's just like it's very it, it's the way the media picks winners and losers exactly. without saying we endorse Biden or we don't give a fuck about these other people. They're saying you're not a serious candidate. You're not a legitimate candidate because of whatever reason. But that's not their choice. It is not the media's choice to say who's legitimate and who's not legitimate, who has a chance and who does not have a chance. And the fact that they actually use those words, I think, should be I, I, I don't I don't know if it should be illegal, obviously, but I, I don't know what we can do. But it's it's unacceptable. And people have to start calling them out more about how they say that. So but my first that's my first my thought of that. My second thought is, remember, this is party politics. You have the Republicans and the Democrats, and they're the two biggest parties in the United States. If you're, if you're in power in the executive branch, the president of the United States is the leader of the party. And so as a party and as an organization, there's no reason for you to try to even toy with the idea of somebody else. If you're going to back Biden, you're backing Biden because he's the leader of the party. And so I, I, I see it both ways. It's like, why would I offer somebody else the opportunity if we already have the person that's the leader of the party as the president of the United States? That's kind of like, yeah, we're going against party right here. And so I do see it both ways. I don't like the second way, even though it is what it is. Right, right. And I, that's, I would far more agree with the perspective, uh, kind of in the open-mindedness of the first view. You know, the second view is status quo shit. And I think people in America are sick and tired of the status quo. And But because everything you just said is true. Hey, I've worked my life, right? Senator, you know, local politics, senator, House of Reps, senator. Now I'm the president. I'm the head of the party. Who's going to primary that the head of the party? That's the status quo. That's traditional. I get it. But 
But like you said on the first point, hey, we need some debates. People want some change. You know, Joe Biden should have to say what he did poorly in his first term that he wants to correct right now. Or he could propose the policy right now. We're, we're a year and a half out from the next presidential election. And if he wants to beat Trump, people are going to have to see some changes in their everyday lives. I mean, this is a candidate that is has been against workers' rights. We've seen it. People are sick of that. So um, I think the first view is right. You can't parrot, hey, we're doing regime change in this and that country because we're the party of democracy. Hey, the Republicans are trying to make it harder to vote in uh, Ohio and in this state. Right, right, you right. Know? But then, but oh, just listen to us. Right, Just listen right, right, to right, us right. on the primary. You know, the whole thing about democracy, <laughs> the democratic process of debates and picking people and majority, like, but we don't believe in that as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a bunch of it's a bunch of crap. I think another thing that's in, very interesting is the arguments around changing the state, which state goes first within the primaries, and we're talking about now it's being switched to South Carolina. And a lot of people think that the reason it's being switched to South Carolina is because that's where Biden started doing good back in 2016. Um, and wait, 2016, wait, 2020, 2020. Damn it. What year is it? <laughs> and a lot of people think and a lot of people think that the reason why they're switching to South Carolina is because that's where um, Biden did well in 2020. And and before South Carolina, he was not a winning candidate. And basically the black vote pushed him over the top because the black vote in the monolith that everybody talks about as the black vote, even the, I mean, which is absolutely insane that we still talk about racial votes as a monolith in general. It's like, and, and it's interesting. And here's my, here's another tangent is that it's that <clears throat> with everybody else, there's a, there's degree of nuance. You know, if we're talking about, well, what you're talking about white votes, we're talking about the middle class. We're talking about the upper class. We're talking about the working poor. We're talking about all these, all these different, you know, um, nuanced votes in these demographics, the urban, the rural, the, the truck driver, the whatever. But it, within that talk, I, you know, it's, it's basically there's all these different people. But when you say an ethnic vote, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's the per that's that's one vote, the black vote, the the Hispanic vote. It's like, what the fuck? Is, what is Hispanic vote? You know, you know how big you know, Spanish-speaking countries or Hispanic countries are, the, 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 uh, the amount of variety of culture and variety that you have within. And, and it's like, you just, it, like, what, how does that even become a thing? Like, we're just talking, is it, and, but the thing is, is nobody ever really says the white vote. Yeah. Because, and, and that's a very interesting, like, <clears throat> talking point. But um, I, I hate, I really hate talking about race because it's so, it, gets, it always gets so weird of, of a place to talk about, like, the racial divides and or different race the way that we're baited into these racial conversations or people are marginalized by the way that you just speak about it. And again, the media is a big part of that. Like we talked, spoke about when it comes to the pres presidents and who's running for president, the, um, you know, the, uh, legitimate candidate, right? The black vote. There you go. You just marginalized one candidate and a whole group of people. Labels on top of labels on top of hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I, I think you're exactly right in the view, you know, that first of all, no, group is a monolith everybody has insane arguments at their own like holidays their own family events you know their own weddings people be arguing about politics you know um so uh what you said though i think if you look at the evidence it did kind of carry weight last time in 2020 jim clyburn endorsed 
after Biden was doing poorly in like Iowa and some of these other states, I'm not quite sure which state goes after which, but then Jim Clyburn endorsed Biden and he won South Carolina. And maybe that block on that Tuesday, pretty big to maybe, uh, you know, jolt him over Bernie, who's doing well in Arizona, in Iowa, in New Hampshire, and all these places. And so people were really excited that, wow, Bernie might take this thing. Right. But uh, the South Carolina thing in 2020, um, you know, for me personally, as a Bernie bro at the time, was very unfortunate. But it was very um, just huge for Biden. Just huge. Well, the, the, I think the problem with that is is not only do you uh, marginalize, I don't like that word. The, the problem with, you know, these monoliths is, is that it stops for the nuance of the conversations of, of what, of actual democracy and the nuance of of a vibrant functioning democracy, right? You can't just say all black people are one way, all Hispanic people are one way, all white people are one way. It's just, it's impossible. And then what you you start creating, and I think that it is also detrimental, is that when somebody within one of those groups have a act outside of the idea of what you put them in the box in, next you know they are bad. For example, a conservative Trump supporting black is Tom, yeah. it, it, people get like, oh, how the hell are you black and conservative? It's like you can be black and conservative because there are black conservatives. There's millions. There's millions, There's millions. of black and, black conservatives and, and blacks that support Trump. And and uh, even though it's traditional that you know blacks uh, are mostly Democrat, um, that's not the case. And therefore, you just marginalize that person's or you I hate that damn word, but you just took away from that person's individuality by yes. saying. They don't know what the hell they're talking about yes. because all blacks are supposed to be this way, all Hispanics are supposed to be this way, you know. And it's like, no, I, I, <laughs> you don't. Have, you I know. saw this happening. This might get into another topic we get to, but I saw this happening with with Clarence Thomas, like right after the George Floyd Black Lives Matter movement. I, you know, it's like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Unless you're Clarence Thomas, unless you're Tim Scott, you know what I mean? Unless you're Byron's, By- Byron Donald's, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and it's just like the the people in charge of this country and those media organizations are almost seeming the most base level misunderstanding people of actual on the street, family, house by house life in this country. Right. You know what I mean? Because... I, I mean, I worked in the Justice Center for, for seven and a half years. I, I worked in Cleveland for 10 years. There are no monoliths. And, and labels are a very bad idea, very miseducating, you right, know what I mean, right, to the right. public. And so until we allow some nuance and some respect, right, for your out, what you deem as the out, what the in-power groups deem as outside and, and the norm, like a, a black Republican you know, we're not going to advance in this country. We're, we're not going to advance in this country. And, and Demo- Charles Barkley has been saying it for decades. As a, as a voting block, right, not as a monolith, but as a voting block, we as black people do give the Democrats our votes and they don't give us nothing back. And that was bound to turn, you know, start turning the parties. Times they are changing. The way the world is in 1973 uh, when Joe Biden came on the scene is not the way the world's going to be in 2023. Right. Things are going to change. Right. And I, I want to agree with that. And I think that the Republican Party is becoming more of the party of the working people. And the Democrats have, have lost that. And, it, and it's sad. It's like it's like when you said that what have what, what Charles Barkley said about the black vote in general is what is the Democrats, you know, really bringing to the table or how are they trying to fight for those that working um 
the working the working people again and actually showing that that they are or we are or whoever uh, the democratic party is the party of the people the party of the worker the party of the middle class union workers and it, and, it, and it's it is not working out that way you know um and so and i don't know if they i don't know if they want to or are able to message that at this point um i mean unions still support democrats you know for the most part it depends on the union, obviously. Some unions are actually breaking away. And a lot of unions, what I found on this last election cycle, is they really don't either care. They, they just want to be like, hey, we're very vulnerable at this point because of state laws, and we just want somebody that supports us. We don't care if you're Republican or a Democrat. I'll, I'll tell you what. I play poker with uh, union railroad workers, and they were, like you were just kind of describing, they're just clueless about the situation. They're like, it's the Democrats that fucked us. Mm. It's the Democrats that fucked us. And so... Um, I think so many people are politically homeless right now. I think so many people are political because they, you know, the the guys at the poker game, they don't really want to turn Republican. You know what I mean? But they literally know the Democrats fucked them. You know, you know what's interesting is uh, when Tucker Carlson, and this is new news, uh, that Tucker Carlson left Fox. As we all know, he got what left Fox? He got fired. Um, but the thing that I took away from this, it, from Tucker Carlson and Fox's divorce is that first Andrew Yang is before his time. I'm, I, I'm a big Andrew Yang fan. Um, like you could have your opinions about UBI or whatever. I'm not a big, I'm not a UBI fan myself. However, we could talk about that in a minute. Um, but I've read both of his books. I know Andrew personally, I've had dinner with or dinner and lunch with him. I, we have, we speak, speak often and the guy fucking gets it. He has been, he's been ahead of his time for, since he ran uh, last time, right? <clears throat> uh, in the books that he put out, he's ahead of his time. He was talking about truck drivers and automated driving and and, and that, you know, industry way before anybody else was talking about it. He was talking about what happens when, you know, automation takes people's job. Now we have AI out there. Um, what is that going to do to the, and this is not the, the blue-collar working class, this is the white-collar class of office goers that AI is going to start taking their jobs. The interesting thing about that, let me get back to talk, Tucker in a minute. The interesting thing about um, the, that is that it seems as though we have, this, this is why UBI comes back up, is we have states around the country that are promoting um, kids to work younger. Yeah. and kids to work longer. And so even here in Ohio, and I think in Iowa, they're with parents' permission, now they can work at nights. They can work, you know, um, uh, on a manufacturing line as, as young as 14. And basically that is, in my opinion, a way to keep the wages down. Instead of paying more and trying to, or, or figuring out a good immigration policy to get people in there, adults in there to do the job, uh, they're saying, no, let's just get kids to do this. We can keep wages down and we don't have to talk about this immigration thing. And that is actually going to be taking jobs away from these people that are going to be displaced from uh, the AI revolution, the automated revolution, the driverless car at revolu- uh, revolution. That's going to be getting people out of those industries and trying to figure out where they're going to go left. So if you have kids going into these industries and you're not, uh, and those are going to be the service jobs that are going to keep the wages down, you're going to have a grown ass adults that are 30, 40 years old with families that have been displaced from, you know, um, the emergence of new tech going to these service jobs, going to these manufacturing jobs for very low wages, which has now gutted now the middle class, or they're not going to be able to find jobs because kids are going to be working those. And the thing is, is who's going to be working those jobs? What kids? It's going to be poor kids. 
It's going to be poor kids. It's going to be the, the, the mom, the single mom or the single dad or the grandparents that are raising the kids that says, hey, shit's hard, rent's high, inflation's happening, you can work now, you got to go to work. It's not going to be the rich family that says, hey, you might want to get a job, I'll teach you responsibility, but if it hurts your grades, we're quitting that job. No, it's going to be like, you go to work, you give me your paycheck so we can pay the bills so we don't fucking starve. Exactly. And so that's who it's going to, who it's going to hurt is the kid, those kids. So it's hurting the middle class. It's hurting the white collar. It's going to hurt uh, those, uh, it's going to hurt the the kids of poor families. They're going to be more and more um, uh, uneducated because they're going to focus on work opposed to going to school and getting, you know, basic K through 12. You know, and um, and which I can debate debate that as well. It's like, what does that education really mean? But the fact of the matter is, you still have to graduate from things sometimes to you know get jobs and, and be able to do two plus two. Um, so going back to Tucker, is is here's what I think is really interesting. And sorry for this big long rant, Ross. No, 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 I love it. I love it. But here's what I think it's interesting about Tucker. Andrew Yang has been calling about uh, for this and talking about this for the past four to six to eight years. Tucker comes out after he got fired and. Uh, put out a video and said media is the problem they're dividing the country um he said that i don't really like the democrats or the republicans because they're all playing fucking games and now we see the poll of 49 percent of americans 49 percent of americans classifying or identifying as independent we have a very big revolution in this country about i fucking hate both parties and what can we do about it and when tucker carlson comes out and gets fired and he puts out this video this is what i i think He's an opportunist. Mm-hmm. He has a huge following. He knows what's going to make him a lot of money and be, make him very famous in the future. He's sitting there like, I'm going to fucking talk to everybody of, of the 49% of the politically homeless, and I'm going to drive that forward. I think my prediction is in the, in the next 10 years, not this cycle, not the next cycle, but in 10 years, we're going to be a independent or third party um, of independence or third party political party will be the majority and we're going to be going we're going to be seeing wins in or we're, we're going to start seeing wins in the senate the house and maybe even very strong presidential contenders this is this is my prediction and i think andrew yang was the problem with andrew is he was too early the Ford party was too early and everybody says third parties suck and and they don't do anything the fact is he was the first mover and now and but traditionally third parties have just fucked over one other party they fucked over the democrats or they fucked over the republicans now i and i think that he knew that a third party was something that was needed but he was just too early now i think that is the time for either independence or a third party to come out again or rebrand themselves or brand themselves in a certain way that is um basically channeling the feelings of america right now i think that'll be very powerful well, I'll, uh, that's a lot to respond to, my man. <laughs> I apologize. It was a rant. <laughs> but, you know, um, one thing I want to keep the focus on that I think can respond to kind of all of that is who is benefiting from this stuff? Who is, because like what you said, whoa, whoa, the working class, the professional managerial class, poor kids, kids. Okay, nobody's going to be benefiting from, you know, allowing, uh, you know, with parents' uh, permission, people, to, kids to be working in a manufacturing class at 14. Um, truck drivers, right? Automated cars. Uh, well, who's going to be benefiting? The CEO and the sh- major shareholders mm-hmm. of these corporations, right? Who runs both parties? 100%. The CEOs and the shareholders. Uh, and the, the wealthiest Americans, you know, the Gateses, the Soroses, the Cokes, 
um, the, the wealthiest people have all the power. And, and they, I think when you talk about playing games, you said something about playing games. I think that you have very rich people. I know from here in Cleveland, right? They take a lot of Republican money. You got a lot of very rich people that donate pretty much equally to Republicans and Democrats, right? And nothing seems to change in terms of the wealth inequality gap. So um, again, I'm sure on another podcast, we'll talk about UBI or something and some of Yang's policies, proposals. Um, but people are starting to see through the playing of the games, the purposeful divisions. You know, it'll be interesting to see where Tucker and Don Lemon and, and these and, and these guys go next. They'll probably go to independent media. They'll uh, probably go to, you know, podcasts or, or Rumble or, yeah, like Joe Rogan type situation uh, because they're not going to stop making money and, and they do have a shtick. I am not a Tucker Carlson fan. Uh, I think I think I'm not I'm not a, a Tucker fan, but I think he's more relevant than Lennon. Lemon. Oh oh oh! Tucker's the most relevant. He's like yes, I would agree. Tucker is the most relevant pre mainstream. Well, now he's not mainstream, but he was the most relevant mainstream media press figure. And um, nobody quite knows yet why he's out, whether it's, a I don't think it's a Dominion lawsuit. I think it's more, hey, he's been criticizing the media a lot. He tries to just say it's CNN and MSNBC and, and things like this, but uh, New York Times, but he's inherently criticizing Fox as well. And, and he's criticizing things that Fox isn't really supposed to be criticizing, right? The Ukraine war funding, certain other types of things. So I think he got fired because people were like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, you know? And, and Fox can't really have that. They've got to have, Fox has got to have just F the Democrats and CNN has got to have just F the Republicans. And I think with the Ukraine war stuff, Tucker was starting to kind of bleed into it's both parties problem. The, the whole media is the whole problem. You know, that's a good point. Um, what I didn't know is um, Paul Ryan is on the board of, Fo of Fox News. And so Paul Ryan, obviously the, the, the old speaker of the house, who's um, very um, war machine uh, you know, friendly. Subservient. And, and so, I mean, I could see that playing a part of it. And he's like, yo, uh, Rupert, yeah, hey, can't have this guy here. You know, um, he's really fucking, fucking up our business. I, I could see that, but I just don't see that it's... I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think well, everybody, everybody doesn't know what, what, what made that decision. However, it is kind of weird that you fire your LeBron James. Like he, he is the LeBron James. And yes, text messages came out and said that he was very criti critical of management. He called his boss the C word um, multiple times. And people aren't happy about that. But to be honest with you, if you have the, if you have basically the goat on your team, you just work with the goat, and that's why LeBron. Honestly, we have hear stories of LeBron being the goat, and everybody else like Jordan being the goat, and uh, Brian, Kobe being the goat, and they were fucking notoriously hard to work with. Notoriously, even, notoriously hard, even for coaches. Like the coach was the boss, the manager was the boss, but no, they were the fucking boss because they're the fucking goat. And you know what you did is you basically worked with them and you put up with their shit. Phil Jackson was managing personalities when he had Jordan and Pippen, when he had Shaq and Kobe. Mm -hmm. What makes Phil Jackson, or who might be the, the board member the, or, or Rupert Murdoch, what makes him successful is we keep them and we win with them. Right. You know, and, right. and we manage we manage all the kind of problems that come with with not everything's perfect. Not right. everything's perfect. Right. You know, and so and you don't want Jordan to walk. 
No, you don't right. want Kobe to walk, and you don't fire Kobe because he's he's calling somebody the c word. No, you go Kobe. This is probably not good. Right. This came out. I know you didn't do this on public, but you can't do that, Kobe. You can't do that, and you make him understand. You don't get him out of your off your team. I don't see how this helps Fox, except in the meta world of okay. Now none of our hosts are criticizing the Pentagon spending the a Pfizer owning the other networks because that was another thing you know it was like he had uh, RFK on and they talked about how the other networks are run by you know uh, pharmaceutical interests you know what I mean but I'm gonna go ahead and assume I don't know I don't look at advertising dollars it, it's life-changing money you couldn't even put your head around how much money is involved in the advertising but I'm gonna assume that Fox is taking bazillions of pharmaceutical dollars you know what i mean so again they try and put it on the left's media the the liberal media but it's fox as well and so the only way they could win on this because all their shows are going to lose ratings not just his new slot not just whoever replaced him at 8 p.m oh yeah they're they're all going to lose ratings yeah 100 100 you know is that they've maybe made their sponsors happy you know the other other thing that i was thinking about and everybody once you start getting you know too deep in collusion like you kind of feel like, oh, the it's like Occam's Razor. The simplest explanation is probably the correct one. However, I don't know if that's always the case. For example, maybe Fox has a brand. They're like, hey, this has to be our brand. They go to they go to Tucker and they say, hey, why don't you just fucking do your own thing? You're gonna make way more money. We'll support you in the background, and then we could fucking you know basically do a pincer move on this whole media thing. Right, you right. You know, it's just like Tucker. We're, we're we're boys, you know, but like go do your own thing. We're gonna support you, and we can pincer the whole fucking media. We got Fox. We have you. We have all this shit. Fucking go do it. You know, kind of like Daily Wire, and you know, like the the, the the independent media is becoming a lot more popular. Um, and 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 there, I don't know. There's there's no reason why Fox couldn't pivot or start picking up people themselves. You know, in a very sly way. Yeah, yeah, and, I agree with that. Like Fox I is not gonna go that. and buy buy Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro won't fucking sell to uh, Fox News probably. But I wait, wonder. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if they offer him a good enough money, he might, you know, half a billion or something. But that, but that, who that, knows? That's the thing. Getting, you know, kind of getting back to the monolith thing. You know, Don Lemon's job was really to make eighty million people in this country or half, half. Not Don Lemon's job was not to get a hundred percent of people on his side when he's bringing up issues. And it wasn't to educate the public about the monolith of, of minorities and things like that. And Tucker's job, again, the, these people's job is to divide us, right? Divide neighbors, divide families, not give you the nuance of, hey, Pfizer is our advertiser. You know, we do take money from Raytheon. You know, they're never, the way that you see a political commercial and it says paid for by friends of Matt Deemer, paid for by friends of Ross DeBello, which you're not getting from CNN and Fox. Now you'll get that on the commercials. On the commercial portion of Tucker's show, you'll see, hey, here's the uh, pillow guy. Here's the my pillow guy, buy my pillow. But on the news portion of Tucker's show, you're not getting paid for by Pfizer, paid for by whatever. And I think the news ha- has for a long time leaked into Telling the people what your sponsors want them to think is the news. And I, I think that Tucker called that out on, on about CNN and, and liberal media, New York Times, Washington Post, things like that. And, and, and frankly, these things like Axios um, and it was like BuzzFeed that just shut down or whatever. 
they've long had that advertising model where basically we'll take your money if you're um, JP Morgan, if you're Walmart, we'll take your money and, and we're gonna make your advertisement look like it's news. And I, th I just think more right, and more people right. are starting to see through it. I think more and more people are starting to see through it. Nah, I, I agree. And okay, so then the, the other possibility for Tucker's leave, leaving is that he knew his power, he knew his uh, reach, and he just said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want." And his, and his ego as well. He's just like, <laughs> he's like, "Screw you." And they're like, "Okay, well, screw me, screw you. Yeah, you he, do it. Fine." He, he's decided that his audience is his audience, <clears throat> not Fox's audience, and he's gonna take them with him. And uh, he may be right, you know, I mean, like it, it's, and again, that's not going to be a monolith. There's still going to be some people this week that's all watching Fox or whatever. I know a bunch oh, of them. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I know a bunch of them. But there are going to be a bunch of people. And by the way, this includes a portion of Democrats that wherever Tucker pops up, whether it's on Rumble or a podcast from, they're going to check out what he has to say. Me personally, I don't get, I don't get indoctrinated by Tucker Carlson shit. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking work on me, but a ton of people watch him and you can take nuggets you can say oh he just talked for 45 minutes about complete garbage but for this 10 10 minute segment yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna research other resources to see if what he's saying holds some water so you know with that you know we have uh you know we've talked about lemon which i think he's irrelevant to any conversation i, mean, I, don't, I don't know why see he was at cnn for so long so like when i heard his conversation with um vivek ramaswamy the um have you saw that one? I saw part of it, yeah. And it was just like, it was like, okay, I understand the back and forth that they had, and I, that there's a time and a place for that back and forth. But it was just like, it was, it was, it was a, it was an irre irrelevant conversation, and you saw that Lemon was just, he, he, yeah, he was just, it was just weird. He's playing his role. He was playing. He was playing his role. He was yeah. absolutely playing his very role. Very argumentative, very talking heads. You know, argumentative like a sports talk show. It was, it, was, it was so weird. It was honestly really, really weird, especially when you have a co-host and she's just like, bro, like, calm your ass down. Yeah, she, because she was... She, she was, she, she, I mean, this was on TV. She started, yeah. she picked up her phone and she was starting to, starting to go, go through her text messages. And she was like, I guess I'm not in this conversation. Yeah. She's like, I'm done. And, and I watch a lot of sports television, sports talk, not, not much radio, but more. And these shows, Meet the Press, Don Lemon Show... Some of the, you know, it used to be in like CNN Crossfire back in the day, if you remember that. Mm -hmm. it, it's turned into all this Stephen A. Smith type, um, just screaming at the other person. And it's like you're arguing, but your job is to inform the public. And it's become this crazy public Well, show. it is informing the public. It's informing the public how, how, not, how not to have a conversation. <laughs> but, but thinking that that is a debate in yeah. a conversation. So it's like, if you don't have good role models for what a debate looks like and how you exchange information and acknowledge other people's viewpoints and then try to build off that or actually learn how to build a logical argument that convinces somebody else of right. uh, of your viewpoint, then you think that debates and arguing is just fucking yelling at each other. And I think that that is... It's kind of like growing up in a fucking broke, uh, fucked up home, right? And you and your parents just screaming at each other all, all the fucking time. Oh my god! And then you get married, and you think that being part that's of a normal. relationship is, is that's what you do is you just scream at your fucking spouse when you're upset, right? But that's how that was your role model. Mm -hmm. And so now that now we have that when it comes to our political uh, figures, we have that in our, on our TV, we have that on our social media, we have that 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 conversation is just not we don't know how to fucking do this. And people say we don't know how to do this, but then again, I it's not even not how not to do it we have a very clear example of how they do it yeah 
And so we can't even build off that. It's There's a, no. It's a very poor influence, like you say, on anybody that's watching it. You're right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a very, very, very unhealthy, poor influence on people that are seeing it. You know, and me personally, you know, I, I kind of don't watch this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't watch it. <laughs> but a ton of people do, and, and I know that CNN and Don Lemon's ratings had dropped significantly, but. Tucker has the most, like you were saying, LeBron James of mainstream media, you know, insane ratings. So I mean, when it comes to Tucker, it, I mean, it was mostly about his monologues and his opinions on things. Like besides that and his like his opinions and when he kind of like riffs off of something, it was it was pretty standard. Yeah. Like his show was just, it wasn't like special. Was, like, the thing that was special was when Tucker got to kind of like, you know, kick it down a gear and open it up and fucking go on the straightaway with his fucking monologue and his ideas. And that's where people drew people into Tucker. But, I mean, we do have BuzzFeed closing down. We have um, NPR having layoffs, right? Um, podcast cancellations? What podcast cancellations? That, that was like NPR. NPR canceled podcasts. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. they're basically, they're just trimming, cutting costs. Just cutting costs, yeah. They're cutting, cutting costs. costs. Yeah. I mean. Uh, uh, Facebook had layoffs, you know, like. Um, yeah, they did another 4,000. Yeah, so I think people are taking their eyeballs elsewhere. You know, we talked about manufacturing consent uh, last week, the Chomsky books, and there's a really good five-minute cartoon about what your eyeballs are seeing and how they're, you know, you're the product. They're selling to you, they're manipulating you, they're teaching you, if you will, or indoctrinating you, whatever you want to say. And people are taking their eyeballs away from CNN, from Meta, or Facebook, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> Um, from NP, NP, like right, like the Twitter NPR battle, right? State, are you state affiliated? State affiliated media, because people want something different than this current puppet state of Republicans, Democrats. You know, you're not doing anything for me. You know, I'm making less money. I got less money in my savings. I, I got no emergency money. People are sick of the state. So when Twitter labels NPR state affiliated media, well, that sparks a trigger in some people. You know. Yeah, I'm, I we, I can talk about money and stuff like that. We have, uh, but um, the fact that I mean, look, NPR is not getting the, the majority of their money from um, this, the Fed, but no. they, they it's still five percent, and yeah. people should know about that. That is that is definitely a thing. You but, know, when you get five percent of your money from the government, then you can't piss off the government either. You know, it's it's still right. a chunk. That's the I think that's the point. I can't turn on NPR right now. And hear about how America possibly provoked this Ukraine-Russia war. You can't, you won't hear that viewpoint because that is not the state line. The right. state line is that Putin woke up out of bed one morning and declared war, and now we got to give a hundred and fifty billion dollars to this war effort. You know what I mean? And, and there's a big nuanced um, kind of domino effect of how we've gotten to this point in Ukraine where you're, you know, I, I think somebody did the math on it is like, this is $800 out of everybody's, 800 more dollars out of everybody's pay, uh, pay taxes and savings that this extra cost of funding the Ukraine war. Right, you know, I, my, my buddy always says the same thing to me and, I, and I, I'm starting to come around to like his way of thinking. He's like, when did America, in America, did we start thinking that the media was supposed to not be biased? It's always been biased. It's always had had a slant, a lean, uh, a, a a bias, a mission, a that a brand. Like this mm -hmm. is what it always has been. If it bleeds, it leads. Did not come from yesterday. It came from from you know Decades years, yeah. a century of 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 media from you know people getting newspapers from the newspaper boy 
that was probably a, a, a minor, seven year old, just like a newspaper on the side of the corner of New York somewhere. You know, um, this is this is nothing new. So I think that when we are asking ourselves, what does media do now that we don't like? And we say that it's unbiased. I think that's just a silly statement. I do agree that that's just silly because media is biased. But I think what we are really saying is we need to find trust in the un the the we need to find journalists that actually do journalist work at the expense of the reputation because the greater good is more important than your bottom line. And I think that's what people are seeing in these independent medias is saying like, no matter what, they're going to say what they're going to say. You might like it. You might not like it. You might, it might be um, conservative. It might be, you know, liberal, progressive or whatever, but at least they're doing it at the expense of what they think is the truth. And, but when it comes to like the mainstream media right now, we see that it is that they're, they're not doing it at the expense. They're doing it at the, at the expense of not them or the bottom line. They're doing it because it promotes their bottom line. Exactly. And so their interests are not being described. Again, that's not paid for by Pfizer. See, you know the the vaccine thing is. It, you love it, Pfizer, man. You love bringing I, Pfizer. I do because because there's a lot of money involved in that. It right, like they sell everything with altruism, right? We stand with Ukraine. We got to help the Ukraine people. We stand with you. We want these communities to be safe. Blah, 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 blah. But what truly ends up happening, right? These interests become even wealthier. And does it seem like, does it seem like civil society, does it seem like the 99% have been benefiting from all the altruistic help that we've been getting over the years? And so I don't think Pfizer's here to cure COVID. I think I think that would be a secondary byproduct, but I think Pfizer's here to make money because that's in their corporate model. That's in all that's in every model of a for-profit corporation. So curing Africa, you know, all uh, curing all these places comes second. If the CEO does not turn a profit, that CEO gets fired. That CEO gets fired. And so how can he, you know, and it's usually a he. Uh, make money and that is to make sure the media doesn't give the people the other side of the story Mm -hmm. you know what i mean we don't want nuance we want you need this you need this it's good for you it's good for you oh it just so happens to help our corporate bottom line and that's what you said about okay this helps our bottom line and so people want to hear the alternative view they don't want you to censor it because you know best what's best for me. You've said on numerous podcasts, I think if you give people the information, people will make a good decision. I th- and I, but I also said with a caveat, I said in general over a, over a long, large uh, sample size. I don't know if it's the individual, but it's the, the group of people. Like the United States electorate yeah. will make the right decision of, you know, even though they make one wrong, eventually it all add up to the net positive. Don't I don't never want to say it's it's always up to the individual. Individuals can start you know great big movements, but you have to have a good sample size when it comes to you know creating a a, a consensus of the right choice. And I think as a, as a voting block, Ohio will make the right choice as a voting block. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to well, abortion or the sixty percent um, mm-hmm, HJB mm-hmm. bill that's coming out of the House to change change our constitution so you only 
you need 60% plus one to, you know, change our constitution if it's coming from the, the people. The, the Ohio, Ohio's not going to have that. I, I think if the people are pr- truly, genuinely, properly informed, and that does take, like, looking at more than headlines, that does take work on your behalf, but I think if the people are truly informed with, uh, of factors behind issues or candidates, people will make good decisions. But we're, gonna sh- we're probably going to show the world again in 2024 that we're picking based on our how much we've been informed, we're picking either Biden or Trump to be the president. Nobody wants that. That's the thing. I think yeah. in general, it's like, though people do do like Trump and people do like Biden. But I think if you, again, if you were able to run a poll and people do this, is that's why 70% don't want Biden to run. Yeah. I bet you if you ran the same poll for Trump, 70% don't want Trump to run. You know? We have so no, it, we it have is, no power. <clears throat> no. But it's, this is what's going to happen. So, again, and it's like, I, I, I don't like to say, I don't like the terminology that says people are going to make the right decision as well because the right decision for multiple, for the, the individual does not actually represent the right decision for the whole. And, I, and so that's why I always want to take it back from the individual, individual as well. But if you put, again, 100,000 individuals there you're gonna, and, and everybody has the same information, you're going to see that the decisions are made, I think, for the benefit of the whole in general. Shit, I can be stupid. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. We don't every, know. Every, everybody, everybody thinks that they're fucking smart, but, I'm but, abs- but it's, a, it's called a bell curve. There's a lot of people right in the fucking middle. More than likely, you're right in the fucking middle of intelligence. You're not the fucking Albert Einstein. You're right. pro- and you're not the absolute dummy. But on that bell crew, curve of, of past one standard deviation or two standard deviations, there's some geniuses and there's fucking idiots. That's what an average is about. And I have, and one day I would want to know, like, am I the fucking genius or am I the fucking idiot? No, no. I mean, hey, there, <laughs> or am I just right in the fucking so, middle, which is probably where we all say Socrates, say. Socratic method. You know, I, I'm, I, I know a lot because I know that I don't know enough. Yeah, and that's I, true. And I think uh, if you, if you're walking around saying you know everything about um, the vaccine issue or the Ukraine war issue, uh, or any issue, you you probably haven't done enough work on it because. There is just so many nuanced issues, right? Affordable housing. There's just so many nuanced issues that we can't, there aren't enough hours in a day and you're not working in that industry. Even if you are working in that industry, you can't know everything about everything. And so the best we can do though, is start to be honest about that. Uh, like back what I'm saying, Hey, is this the news or is this your higher paying advertisers getting into the news? And I think people are sick of the mainstream media, sponsored media, because you can buy that, right? If I'm Elon Musk, right, and I want to promote Teslas, you know, as good for you, as safe for you, I can give Fox more money than anybody's ever given Fox. I, I got a question for you. I'm sick of talking about this media shit okay. anyway, honestly, to be honest with you. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. I think it's important, but yes, you're it, right. It is important, but yeah. we, we, we did spend half hour on it. Yeah, we killed it. Um, but I, I actually, we, we mentioned something with it, within that conversation about, you know, people and money and not having uh, uh, two nickels to rub together or yeah. enough emergency funds. And I wonder, like, where do you... Uh, one thing I hear is the theme about all of this is we keep blaming somebody else. We blame the media. We blame the corporations. We blame this. But then we say, oh, it's because of them. All There's this whole blame on somebody else, and where's the individual responsibility? I've... And... Whose who's fault is it that people don't have emergency funds? Is it individual responsibility or is this is it the whole system? We can't just say that sixty percent of Americans have less than you know um, I can't remember what it was like less than a thousand dollars in their bank account and don't have living paycheck to paycheck and don't have you know uh, three months emergency fund and and we say that that's that's normal. I mean, look, 
bad choices are made? Is it individual choice? Let me just frame this real quick. If you are young and you have, if you're young and you have kids and you didn't finish your, you know, whatever, or you get yourself into a place where you can, you know, um, afford that lifestyle or, and, but you keep wanting to have the lifestyle of the two cars, the phones, the new things, the clothes, the, you know, and then you put yourself in a massive amount of debts and then say, I'm broke. I mean, is, is that, is that society or is that you? So, so just like the 08 mortgage crisis. It, no, or 08 was different. No, no, no. The blame lies with all parties, including the person um, taking out a mortgage that they should not take out, that they can never afford, and as well as the um, cross-country mortgage or whatever uh, a branch of a, uh, of a bank, Quicken Loans, kind of selling you something that they know you can't afford, along with the regulators allowing allowing people to not put down payment down. So it is a big pizza pie of, of kind of responsibility gone awry. Uh, and, and that's, but I don't think that people should have to work two jobs. I, I think if you work 40 hours a week, if you work 40 hours a week, that should be enough for your rent. And, but it's gotta be on you too, right? You can't be buying a mansion, can't buy a ma mansion. You can't be buying a, a Tesla. You know what I mean? If you work 40 hours a week, you should have enough. You should have enough. And if you're, you know, uh, di have a disability, you're disabled. You should be taken care of by the rest of us. That is what I think. No, I agree with the disability and, and things like that. But, but what what does have enough mean when it comes to um, forty hours a week? So for me personally, I, I definitely think the minimum wage should be at a minimum. I'm talking about service industry as well. The minimum wage should be at a minimum, at a minimum, $15 an hour. Why, now, why do you say 15? I hate when people say $15 an hour. You well, have no reason, you have no clue why you say 15. Sure you, you do. Just I, heard, you just heard it. No, no, no. The, the number is, what you can do the math. 15 times 40 Where? times what, what, 52. In, in what state? Well, that, Where? That's why I say at a minimum. Because New York City. See, that's bullshit. Because because 15 doesn't make the same make sense when it says Louisiana or, or West Virginia. But it makes, makes no sense as, as well in New York City or maybe even Cleveland. 15, 15 is an arbitrary number that some politician pull out their ass and they have no fucking right. clue. Why no, I agree. No, I agree with that. But again, you can do the math on fifteen times uh, times forty times fifty-two. It's very simple. You can do that math. Now, again, you're you're right. Fifteen isn't going to go for you in some places, and fifteen is going to be okay. You're not going to be breaking the bank with fifteen any place in this country. That's true. Any okay. place yeah, in this I, country, you will not right. be breaking I, the I, bank. I, I'm feeling you. Yeah. So. Uh, that's why I say I'm not the I'm not the arbiter of the way the world should be. That's, so I'm not even saying if it was me, I'd probably make it twenty dollars an hour. But what I'm saying is, you can get your necessities. You can get your necessities. Now, what you do beyond that, if you're gambling on sports, right? If you're spending your money on drugs, if you're buying a car that's outside of your budget, that's where I. That's why I brought up the 08 mortgage crisis. You do have some personal responsibility. Right. You do have some personal responsibility. But if you you can't be uh, these politicians and talk about the dignity of work. And then again, you're Joe Biden. You're going to run to be in power again for the 50 billionth year. And you think 725 is a fine minimum wage, but you're for the dignity of work and you're for union workers. See, I think, I think the problem with that conversation is, is uh, the arbitrary number was put out there and now nobody agrees with the arbitrary number. And I don't agree with it either. The real, I think the way that everybody should do it is they should do it based off of congressional districts. They draw, and I think this will help draw better and more fair congressional districts as well. Is that the the states should be charged to look at congressional districts and figure out what is the cost of living within that district for for a bare a bare minimum of essentials: one bedroom house for single, two bedroom house for for a married couple with a kid, um, you know, cell phone, utilities, 
a car, um, insurance, gas, and all these different things. What does that look like for that for that place? And base your minimum wage off off of that. So if here in Cleveland, we just heard that rent went up 11, 11% across the board, right? And so the average housing cost for one bedroom here in Cleveland now is I think 780. So like take 780 plus all that stuff. And then what does it take, look like an hourly wage? Is that 15? I don't fucking know. Right. But then also add in your, your CPI, your cost of living adjustments to that as well. Every, you know, a couple of years, uh, force or, or make sure that wages are being adjusted with inflation. I mean, if you're, you can't have the same 7.25 an hour uh, wage with, um, you know, 9% inflation, it, does, it, does, it doesn't make sense. So I think that that would make more sense. But the thing is, is people put, put these arbitrary numbers and everybody can see through the bullshit. Uh, the arbitrary number thing is a less nuanced um truth of everything you just said but see that was that, but that's the thing is like we have these less nuanced truths and that's what the fuck where government fucks up all the time is they is it's basically the path of least resistance to do the minimal amount of work that doesn't do good for everybody sure but again so if you don't want to fight for the actual of an actual good solution and i don't know if this is a good solution an actual good solution don't fucking talk about it what i'm saying is the government if these people are purporting to help us both republicans and democrats biden and trump if you're saying that you care about people, but um, somebody that works, um, you know, on a restaurant at East Fourth or on East One Fortieth Street, and they're making three dollars an hour plus tips, that's not you caring about people. That's not you caring about people. So I get it. We're playing team sports now. It's Yankees versus Red Sox. The Democrats are for this, or the Republicans are for that. But people are really struggling. The sixty-six percent thing is is, is true. People can't scrape together a thousand bucks if they if they needed it for an emergency, and that's because of wages. That's because of wage. So I'm not telling. I, again, I am not the arbiter. I don't want to be God. I'm not saying it should be fifteen dollars an hour, but it should. What it should not be is where we've gotten to at this point. Because like what you're saying, uh, inflation costs over years, cost of living raises. Well, again, everybody sees the profits at the top of these corporate structures and everybody sees the federal minimum. Now, certain states, thankfully, do raise their minimum wages. I think there are certain states that have a minimum wage above $15 an hour. There are certain states that have minimum wage above $15 an hour. I know there are certain places. I don't know about states. Right, okay. Certain cities within states, I think. So um, you're talking about dignity of work allows somebody that works to have 30% or because I think what a lot of housing advocates will state is you don't want 30% of your housing costs, whether it's rent or mortgage, uh, over 30%, you know, to go toward that. I don't know that. I, okay. So there's two things. I, I, so I, I hear what you're saying. What I'm saying, Ross, is, is that I'm sick of the government in, in conversations about policies to not have the nuance because it actually just creates bullshit. For example, the, the student um, loan forgiveness thing. It was a complete stupid fucking conversation and a complete stupid fucking um, idea that the Biden administration had. They said ten thousand or twenty thousand, whatever, depending on you had this yeah, kind of ten and ten, yeah. did this kind of loans or whatever. And you know what it didn't address? The fucking rip off schools. It didn't aggra- uh, or address the, the 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 gouging. It didn't aggra- address the variable interest rates that fucking uh, people go to go to universities get when they're you know two years in and finally just had, need an extra couple thousand bucks and it's at six percent this week when you graduate it's fucking at eleven. That none of that was addressed, and so everybody. So this is a complete fucking, um, you know, money or politics. There's a this is a complete vote grab by yeah, by, by Biden 
It was. It didn't solve any fucking uh, anything. It became a fucking huge like newspeak um, to be, use an Orwellian quote right, or, right. or a term, a newspeak uh, political term that says student loan forgiveness, and it doesn't do anything of of value besides give somebody ten thousand dollars off the, of what they owe. It well, doesn't do anything. And and that's even a question. And does right? it really help in the future? No, it doesn't fucking help. That it, it divides the country even more. Right. That everything you said is pretty much true. It's supposed to give my wife twenty thousand off her student debt. Now it might not even do that. Right. It might not even do that. So um, everything you said is absolutely correct. At first, it, first of all, it was mainly about politics, uh, and I think Biden in his 2020 campaign promised like $50,000 student debt, but he got no systemic changes, no systemic There's changes, no systemic, systemic, no systemic changes. changes. But nonetheless, he, he promised that he did what all politicians do. He lied. Then he tried to say it was 20 or 10 and 10, depending on like Pell Grant loans, whatever the loans you type of have. And now that is even, did you even do that? Or did you just win the headlines for a month before the midterms saying, we're giving you twenty thousand of your dollars back because the, these loans are are tearing people up. These people are way too far into debt because of this. Well, that's again, I suppose that's better than nothing, which the Republicans are proposing. <laughs> but it's first of all, you may not have executed it properly. It, it, we know we have Republican-run uh, courts in in many of the districts and federal courts in this country. And B, like you say, which is actually the bigger picture, the much bigger picture. There's no state colleges that I can go to for free because I'm a member of the state and I want to go to college and here like our parents could. You know, there's no community. Everybody's got to take out these insane loans with these insane rates. And, you know, I have family members that are over $150,000 in debt. You know, luckily I'm not, but the world doesn't revolve around me. You know what I mean? So, uh, again, they're they're pillaging. They're pillaging. Every, everybody without money owes people that already have a ton of money. Well, I, I, I know you're not taking if you're not make, making policy that makes uh, systemic change or you're not understanding like the nuance of the conversation then I just get frustrated when we talk about it, and especially when it, come, it comes to these kind of policies. And it just it drives me fucking crazy. It drives I, I, that's 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 my trigger word. My trigger word is new speak blabble about a policy that makes people's lives better that actually doesn't fucking make people's lives better. And fifteen dollars an hour is the, that exact that, that exact fucking conversation. It doesn't do the thing that people are gonna, gonna say it's gonna do. Oh, I, I disagree. That would make certain people, especially here in Cleveland, that would make people's lives better. Oh, oh really? Yes. Until when? Until ten years down the line? Oh, that's, until, well, until that's 20? what you, that's what you said because about again, cost you didn't you, again. Oh, I said that. You yeah. didn't say that. That's no. not the fucking talk, talking point. People don't fucking talk about that shit. You need perpetual the raises. businesses. Can every business support a, support a fifteen dollar an hour? Every industry should. And then, be able what, to. then we're not. We're also not talking about the markets too, because of the the supply and demand of the workers. We see, I go to um, what's the burger place I love? Five Guys. Oh my god! Five Five Guys. They're they're, they're, like, they're like they're at fifteen eighty five right now. So it's they're crazy. already got a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Is it is it actually the markets that are, are that should be actually be involved with this, or should it be the government? I mean, I, I have a, I have a lot of faith in markets, and when 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 the squeeze comes. The, these these jobs will, will will raise their rates, and now we have higher rates for fifteen. Now, if you be high rate, now this is a, this is a, one of those other things about government, is like once you set that minimum of fifteen, you don't have to pay anymore as well because we already think it's good enough. Now, if fifteen eighty five at, at at five guys, is there going to be a competition now at, on over fifteen? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think the reality is if 
the blind side of this is if you didn't have government or you you really believed in markets, you wouldn't even be advocating for a seven dollar twenty five minimum wage. You say we don't. We I, don't need I never. It. I never said I was. I'm. I'm just saying they're they're. Government is supposed to provide a medium and a social safety net for the masses, right? Because if this, and so, I don't know what year it's going to happen. That's it. That's it. I, I love that you said that. Government should have a safety net for the masses and we're paying a fuck ton of taxes and we don't get that. Our healthcare yes. fucking sucks. Yes. We don't even know if we're going to get social security. Nobody has, no company gives you fucking pension anymore. Yep. There's barely any fucking time off. There's no maternity leave or paternity leave. And so we pay all this fucking money into it. And then you say, we do see $150 billion going to Ukraine. We do see um, uh, a Pentagon that has failed fucking audits for trillions of dollars five years in a fucking row. And we're saying we keep paying into it. And so at the end of the day, I don't think any of the dis this discussion is about is about minimum wage. It's about it's about what, what wages can we what wage can we pay within a market? But because we pay into this system that is called the United States of America, what are we getting out of being a citizen and what do we get out for our taxes? And right now we can't we can't go to the hospital. Look, you, you know, what, what wage? Here's the question. What wage would, would, would people accept and be okay, better with if these th different things were, were there? Like we knew that we would have a retirement if we didn't have to, or we knew we would have a basic living retirement. We knew our grandmother wouldn't be on the fucking street if you know if grandpa died and they didn't have a proper you know it was savings. We knew that we can go to the fucking doctors and our kids can go to the doctors. And we won't go go broke. Declare bankruptcy. You know, we knew that we could have a good education. Right. We knew that we could. I mean, this would be a whole different conversation. Now we're talking about fifteen bucks an hour for for the basics of still not getting what we can what covers the basis of life. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, man. No, 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 but, but you're exactly right, right? That's that when you talk about the government creating the safety net, right? Pharmaceutical, your drug prices is another thing. Can we cap these drug prices? You know, they, these oh, yeah. are insulin, shit like that. These yeah. are these are all um, issues that, again, if we had a better camera, if we had a better view, if we had a better lens, other countries are doing certain of this and certain of that better than. We are, you know, criminal justice system, criminal justice is another. How does a criminal justice system in this country set people up for success or for less crime? It 100%. doesn't and it hasn't. It doesn't and it hasn't. And tons of our tax dollars are going toward the criminal justice system. So, uh, again, if we had a more honest kind of this is what this country does, this is what this candidate is proposing, we'd be in a better spot. But what we do is we yell about bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, what we do is we yell about bullshit. We don't try and become more like Finland on the criminal justice system. We don't try and become more like Brazil on vacation and maternity leave. You know, we don't, we're not more like Australia on, on or uh, Switzerland on our war policy. You know what I mean? And so we're not in the business of educating our people, showing the different ways, the different ideas that we could do things better and also creating two candidates that are that are giving you two different good faith ideas. You don't have Joe Biden saying, "Well, you got to understand, fifteen dollars an hour here might not work. Fifteen dollars work how it would there. We need a scaled approach." Or Donald Trump saying, "Eh, you know what? We should have a eighteen dollar an hour flat minimum wage." There's no good faith, honest debate on policy and improving the the state of our place. And, and there's no lens into how other places do it. It's just more for those who have it and less for those of us who don't. I think the fact, I think the simple thing I can agree with everything you, we said here is that 
Our tax dollars are being squandered. They're not being used efficiently. We are overspending on just about everything that the government pays for. Uh, money's going into places that I, I really don't want it to go. Nobody really wants it to go. And they're not working, and the money is not working for the people who are actually putting money into it. Preach. And all the government need, does is ask you for more money, spends irresponsibly, and fucks over the, the, the taxpayer. Yep, gives you less, puts you more in debt. And, and so, yeah, I, I, there's different, way, different ways to talk about minimum wages and philosophies behind that and markets and whatever. And hey, look, we're not going to solve the, if we could solve that right now from <laughs> the back of the Tesla right here, then uh, I'd be, oh, <laughs> we're fucking genius, which I, we are not on the genius level of the bell curve. We're right in the middle, probably in one, or two, one standard deviation, one way or the other. Um, last thing I want to talk about, since we're talking about government corruption, uh, Ju Justice John Roberts and his fucking wife and this bullshit. Just John Roberts came out um, the other day and said, I am not going to investigate the ethics of the Supreme Court. And then literally a week later, it, it comes out. <laughs> a that day his, later. Like literally, yeah. Like a day later, his, his, it comes out that his wife was taking money for motherfuckers that had, that had cases in front of the fucking Supreme Court. And we're not talking about like, a, you know, a cup of coffee here and there. We're talking about one, two, three million dollars a year in fucking money going to, to his wife. Bro. I mean, it's I, insane. Corruption at, between him and fucking Thomas. Holy shit. And then they, who else and is then doing they, shit? They came out with a story uh, about Gorsuch as well. So he tried. He was trying to sell like a piece of farmland for two years. It went unsold. And then I don't know if it was a law firm. I think it was a law firm that had cases in front of the Supreme Court. Stop. Bought the piece of land for $2 million in like Colorado or something like that. Stop it. I swear to God. It's out there. It's, it's in the news. And so three straight... Uh, kind of corruption, uh, of, which is going to, of course, uh, not that anybody had any faith in the institution that is the Supreme Court. And I don't. No, actually, we did until until recently, and this is, <laughs> and and this is the problem is we're losing. We've we've lost faith in our institutions. We lost faith in our political institutions, our Republican and Democrats. We're losing faith in the CIA. CIA. Oh yeah. And the FBI. We're losing faith in the Congress to actually actually get shit done. Local police. We're, we're losing faith in 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 local institutions. Actually, mm -hmm. I still have a lot of faith in our local institutions besides their spending. Um, and I would not say the, the local police. And now the only fucking thing that we thought was unbiased, our Supreme Court of the United States, is obviously. On the take, I. Uh, the interesting uh, thing, the interesting thing here is, is that so far it's been three Republicans, and we have not heard anything about Democrats. Um, I know you want to have a handle there. You keep reaching for a I handle. Uh, you want bad. a handle. Everybody says they want a handle in this fucking car. <laughs> There's no handles, Ross. Just keep your hands to yourself. But where is? Do you think we're going to find some things out about some of the Democratic, the Democrat? Or liberal judges, not Democrat, but liberal judges. I think it's very possible. I, you know, I, I don't know who would be at the forefront of doing these investigations into their finances. A Breitbart, Fox, I don't know. But um, you know, we we talked about this on a previous podcast. I was friends with uh, all thirty-four common pleas judges, all fourteen muni court judges, and then the ones that retire and new ones come in. I worked at Just Center for like eight years. Um, they're not special, and they will sell a piece of land and they and everything should be reported i think that's that's the one thing the transparency is the most important thing do i think that clarence thomas's mom house was was worth what harlan crow bought it for uh, maybe not maybe this isn't so arm's length the same thing with the two million dollar farm same thing with these consulting fees uh you know ten million dollars she's made from the, i don't necessarily think that that's arm's length good faith dealing but but if you put it on paper and you say, hey, here's the interest, like I was saying uh, with the news, here's the interest 
you know, the judge for yourself, the way that we judge cases for ourselves and we're not perfect either. You know, if you had transparency, there would be, um, first of all, less a likelihood that they would do these big transactions. And then B, you'd have kind of the party in charge, ideally looking to reinsert faith, whether you're doing a Senate, a congressional investigation, or maybe you're appointing more Supreme Court justices, or there hasn't always been nine, right? It's been like two, three, five, seven, nine. You know what I mean? We, I don't know how you restore faith in this institution. I already, before these three stories, for years, I've, I, you know, and I do follow some Supreme Court just uh, Supreme Court decisions. I will read some here and there. It's been way too partisan for way too long. So I don't know. I think it's a joke. I think uh, it's a big George Carlin, right? It's a big club, and you ain't in it. And I do think the three liberal justices and other liberal justices on federal district courts are uh, uh, some other places are kind of getting the benefit of their of their seat of their title in real estate deals and in vacations and on dinners and things like that. I've long thought this. And so I'm glad the three stories are out, but I I do think that the whole thing needs reforming in some way or another. I don't, again, I'm not God, I don't, I don't know how to reform it. I don't think you're gonna put faith back in the institution of the Supreme Court as long as you have too many 6-3 Republican Democrat decisions along party lines. I'm looking for this podcast that I listened to um... And Spotify changed their app, so I don't know how to fucking search anything now. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it's basically a guy who... Basically, it's a guy who reads all the updates of the Supreme Court cases. Oh, okay. And he gives you a summary. I'm going to put in SCOTUS here. You know, like, sometimes Gorsuch will go with the liberals. Um, sometimes John Roberts will go with the liberals. Um, but it's generally too, too far too much along party lines. So politics runs the Supreme Court, not unbiased kind of legal, legal learnedness. Yeah. Well, I think that's about all for today. Yeah. Um, Ross, it was good, good yelling about politics, but man, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm kind of depressed, man. To be honest with you. It's no, no, like, no. Stay happy. Why? Because I mean, happiness is the way. Happiness. When you get a clear mind. Who the mind, fuck are you, man? Happiness is the way. When Who you, the fuck are you, Buddha? Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a clear mind, it, it will help you come up with more ideas and and help bridge divides, you know. But if you're if you're divided, if you're if you're un unhappy, I think you'll fall into the traps as too many Americans have. No, I I I, I just I disagree. I think that a lot some people work better under pressure, and once your back's against the wall and you're completely broken and you're d- disappointed with everything, you you figure out a way to fight. You, you fight you it's fight or flight. Are you a flight person or a fight person? So maybe for you, Ross, if your back's against the wall, you're you're a flight. Me, I'm no, no, I'm, 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 I'm gonna put on the fucking gloves and come out punching. Hey, you and I both <laughs> ran. You, like like, listen how upset we are with these situations, right? And we both ran really without party support, even though we're clearly, I think, I think you could describe us as good Dems, even though we may not line up with the Dems on every issue. I think we're good Dems, but we see these problems, we try to address them, and we neither one of us really had significant party support. So I think that speaks a lot to we are both fight people. We're both fight people, but everybody has different mindsets, different perspectives, different what motivates you, what works for you. Talk to you next week, Ross. Yeah, man.